0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There are moments in our life when we are shaped through adversity and challenge, propelled through turbulent change. We're presented with an opportunity to take wings and soar from a dark place to one of light. I'm Leslie Salem, founder of Over the Bloody Moon, on a mission to remove the muddle from menopause. In our podcast, we meet women from all walks of life and experience to share their tales and tools of positive transformation. Come join us for the flight. today's show, Slam Bam Surgical Menopause, we'll be chatting to Nicole, co-founder of the Semeno Connection, a fantastic online resource and support community for those in surgical menopause. Welcome, Nicole. It's really wonderful to have you all the way from New York. So welcome into our Over the Bloody Moon community today. Great. Happy to be here, Leslie. Happy to be here. We'd love to hear your story. Tell us about your community, the name, the story behind it?
1: Sure, absolutely. I'm the co-founder of the Sermano Connection, and we began in 2015. My other co-founder's name is Stacy Reeve, and basically we were just two women who had been abruptly thrown into surgical menopause due to different situations, and we were just looking online for answers and support, which there wasn't any information. There was barely any information about surgical menopause and life afterwards, because we were both physically and emotionally struggling with the after effects of the surgery. And our doctors had not adequately prepared us for you know, the life altering changes that the surgery would cause. So we found each other online and basically started our own Facebook group, which quickly over time blossomed into a thriving community of women and a support group. And later on, we um, decided to go the nonprofit route so we could reach more people because it had grown so much over the years. And we also have created an informational website which contains all kinds of resources and links to medical articles and just provides all around support for women in surgical menopause and tries to also link them with physicians in their area that specialize in things such as surgical menopause, well as hormone replacement therapy and bioidentical hormone therapy. So we do a lot at the Sermeno Connection, but that's our essential origin story. Tell us, for those listeners that might not be aware,
0: what is surgical menopause?
1: Well, surgical menopause can happen in, in a few different ways. Basically, women who have you know, their ovaries removed are thrown into surgical menopause. And also, women who have complete hysterectomies, in which their ovaries and a uterus are removed, are also thrown into surgical menopause. So, when a woman has just her ovaries removed, it's called an oophorectomy, uh, which is what I had done. And then there's a hysterectomy where you have essentially everything out. And then there's a sort of third category, which is when uh, a woman has gone through chemotherapy and is thrown into a chemical menopause, like a forced menopause. Their body, due to drugs they have taken, goes into menopause. And basically, I mean, what it's defined as, as is uh, you know the cessation of your periods. And basically, for women in surgical menopause, it is the result of surgery. But these two categories are you know markedly different. Basically, women in surgical menopause have zero hormones circulating in their body and produced by ovaries, and you know women in natural menopause still have small amounts of hormones released. Uh, it's not what it used to be when they were in their their prime in their twenties and thirties, but it is um, you know still low levels of hormones being released into the body.
0: So, what are the kind of reasons why someone might have a uterus or ovaries removed? I think, you know, it's very
1: wide ranging. Um, I will, you know, speak from my experience first and then kind of touch upon some of the others. So, I had something called borderline ovarian tumors, which is a form of ovarian cancer and I developed it when I was actually fairly young. I was in my 20s and I started to develop these tumors on my ovaries. I had one ovary removed when they first discovered it because the tumor was so large that my ovary could not be salvaged. And then I underwent many subsequent surgeries and I also went through fertility preservation in which I froze my eggs and embryos And ultimately, the condition is bilateral, so it affects both ovaries. And ultimately, my doctor had prepared me for the fact that I would ultimately lose both of my ovaries. So I would say, you know, borderline ovarian tumors is a common reason that women undergo, you know, surgical menopause to remove either the ovaries or both the ovaries and the uterus, as well as, you know, ovarian cancer. It's one of the few treatments that exists for ovarian cancer. Also women who have uh, very pervasive aggressive endometriosis often undergo surgical menopause to try to prevent it from continuing to grow, and then we have BRCA one women who have this genetic predisposition for you know breast and ovarian cancer who get it done prophylactically, preventatively, you know, and we also do have women in our group who have um, what they call PMDD, which is a premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And it it basically is affected by a woman's cycle. You know, normally women feel kind of moody during their period. Women with PMDD wind up with uh, you know suicidal ideation for, and uh, deep deep depression that is triggered by these hormone fluctuations. So they're also a category of women that is uh, forced into surgical menopause as you know a last option. And then lastly, I will, uh, you know, say that there are women who wind up in surgical menopause who don't actually need to be in surgical menopause. That is a category that unfortunately exists. And we have a lot of women who have come to our community and, you know, their doctors just kind of pushed them into surgery. Um, they had cysts, they were benign, and they said, you know, oh, you're not going to have any more children and, uh, you know, you don't need your ovaries anymore because you're heading into menopause. It won't be a big deal. Why don't we just take them out? You know when we remove the cysts i mean that is a horrendous reality these doctors have done these women a disservice because they didn't need to be in surgical menopause essentially
0: yeah i mean there's there's a lot you've you've covered there um, the last being that um globally there seems to be uh, an issue around an understanding of women's health and, and options and not much preparation for the long-term effects which we're going to cover but I'd like to just return back to your story. There are moments of challenge that end up defining us. Um, It would be great to hear about
1: yours and, and how that relates to where you are today. My journey was very long and very challenging. As I mentioned, it all started when I was in my early, like middle 20s. I was just approaching my mid 20s and I had developed this ovarian tumor and had an emergency surgery. And, you know, my ovary was removed at the time. I had no real idea. I I really thought in my mind that, okay, I have one ovary. I'm going to be okay. You know, I'm going to, you know, the doctors all at the time, you know, didn't, you know, probably didn't want to scare me. And so um, they basically said, well, you're going to be okay. You have one ovary. But then it escalated very quickly when I started to have recurrence of these ovarian tumors. And I was referred to... Uh, a top fertility specialist in New York City, was under his care, as well as an oncologist. Nicole, were you in a relationship at this time? I was, yes, I was in a relationship at this time. And I think, I mean, I was so young that it was really like, I tried to navigate it on my own. At the time, I was really not looking to put that on my partner. You know, I had the support of my family, but it was so confusing and foreign to me these changes. And I think the best way I I knew how to deal with them was to sort of soldier through each thing that I had to do. And I was so young that I had all this optimism about everything that I was going to get through it. Everything was going to be fine. I really tried to keep a really good head on my shoulders and a sense of humor about the whole thing. But There were moments that were along the way where I was inconsolable. You know, the idea of uh, being a young woman unable to have children. I remember just being devastated by this idea. And so I did go through fertility preservation.
0: You've had the trauma of having emergency surgery. Then you're being told
1: your ovaries are being removed and you're going through fertility. Yeah, it was it was just so many things at once that I think that was part of the reason my head was spinning. And I think I was in deep trauma over everything that was occurring back to back. You know, my friends were off partying, have living, you know, their lives, starting their careers, um, you know, not even really thinking about settling down at that age. And I was meeting with oncologists and fertility doctors and frightened about what the future would hold for me in my personal life. And I think I soldiered through everything Mm -hmm. and it did catch up to me later. It was obviously a very
0: difficult period of adjustment where you're thrust into kind of, you know, moving into and thinking about the future, all these massive, huge decisions that normally come at a time's transition. So it's slightly out of kilter. Can we just think about some of the tools that you used and what you would share and offer for other women that are in a similar
1: situation the advice I would give is different than probably what I did at the time was you know I I really just was trying to be strong and soldiered through I'd let a few of my friends know what I was going through some of my closest friends but at that young age kids are not really as empathetic as they need to be. They're not as selfless as you, you know, as you get older, you develop different, uh, interpersonal skills. So I think it was just like, well, what happened to Nick? She used to be around, she used to be doing all of this stuff and now she's less available and there's stuff going on. So, and I really relied on, you know, my family leaned into my family through, through that whole thing through the many years of surgeries and the after effects of the surgeries. I guess my advice would be to seek out support of other people going through something similar. I mean, that's why the Cermeno connection exists to support women going through all of these hardships and these uh, physical struggles. And fortunately, there are online communities now. I mean, we're located through Facebook groups and there are, you know, there are lots of great support groups out there. I would also suggest working with a therapist to talk about all these changes so that they don't become overwhelming because it is inevitably traumatic to be sort of at war with your own body. And um, I I guess the other things I would advise is... uh, You know, to really try to be resilient in the fact that you have to get through each day, figure out what you can do each day, try to have something to look forward to. And also, I would really suggest educating yourself because education is that's how you get out of trouble in my mind, so I would say, learn all the resources that are available to you and be proactive in whatever happens to you. I mean, that, that can apply to everything in life, but be proactive, try to find a solution, try not to wallow in uh, self-pity and all of those things because you know, you're know you allowed to have those moments of grief, but you have to find ways to muscle through and bounce back uh, if you're gonna live a life where, where you have joy and, and happiness, so yeah.
0: Let's just talk now about um, how surgical menopause might be different for women that are going through natural menopause. You already mentioned that women going through natural menopause, there's almost like this creep. There are some reserves whereas your body obviously goes very suddenly into
1: withdrawal and depletion. Surgical menopause is very abrupt, and it's very harsh on the body. Natural menopause is a natural process. It's a natural part of life, right? And, you know, we expect that as women, you know, one day we're going to go through menopause like our mothers and our grand- grandmothers did. But surgical menopause is forcing the body into an, in an unnatural state essentially and so your body no longer has hormones and hormones do so much in the body from brain health to heart health to bone health to sexual health and 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 you know ovaries are responsible for a lot of sexuality and sex drive libido and and certainly like keeping your skin nice and uh collagen so i think some of the main symptoms women experience in surgical menopause mirror that of those women who are in natural menopause from hot flashes, cold flashes, weight gain, insomnia, bone loss. Uh, you, you become at higher risk for osteoporosis and you know heart disease, there's vaginal dryness and uh, loss of libido. You know these are all the symptoms women get in surgical menopause, but the difference is that they're so severe that they can be debilitating. And we find for for the most part, younger women tend to have a much worse time with surgical menopause than women who are closer to natural menopause age, which is around somewhere around 47 to 51. It's because you're at that time of your life you're supposed to have a lot of hormones. You know what I mean? You're you're having children, you, you know, your body is supposed to function a certain way. So when you go from that to nothing and then starting to try to figure out how to replace those hormones with uh, hormone replacement therapy, HRT, it's a battle. It takes a long time to figure out something that feels good for you.
0: Let's talk about prior to the operation, knowing what you know now and the wisdom from your community. What's on the checklist for women um, who are about to go through surgery? Well,
1: I mentioned it before. I think, you know, it's one of those things where you're going into something almost blindly. The way the medical community handles the surgery is like, oh, We'll give you medicine when you're done. You'll have hormones. Uh, We'll give you an HRT, a patch, a pill, and you'll be just fine. And that's just not right. It's barbaric to lead women into this. Like, I mean, it's like leading women to slaughter. Uh, You know, you really don't know the impact this is going to leave on your, your life, your relationships, everything. And I would say that the first tool you should arm yourself with is a therapist. I think you need somebody to talk through all of these things that are going to happen that hardly anybody is going to understand in your life. It's going to be really a challenge. And depending on age, it, it's going to be really painful. Uh, if you don't have children, for instance, that can be incredibly devastating uh, to, to to be rushed into having your ovaries removed and then you lose all possibility of being a mother. You really do need somebody outside of your life that you can talk through all of these things and somebody who really would understand what it is to have a chronic illness i mean i I always recommend looking into somebody who deals with medical you know chronic medical issues so i think therapy a counselor um somebody that can talk you through this is, is something important to lean on I would start lining up somebody who is a hormone specialist prior to the surgery, do your research, see if you can meet with somebody because oftentimes a surgeon is not the best candidate for the person who's going to be your person who's overseeing your ongoing care and your HRT. You know, everybody has their strengths. And so it's really important that you have somebody that you can hand your care off to afterwards. I mean, I had a wonderful kind surgeon and he was, just it just wasn't his area. So I think you need to have somebody lined up for that. Physical preparations for the surgery are wide-ranging. Obviously, have comfortable clothes, have meals prepared in advance if if you're the head of your household and you're going to be the one caring for yourself. And you could get friends to yeah, do it, you, you could get friends to do it or, you know, family. I mean, it's a, it totally depends on your situation, but I would say prepare not to do much for a little while. I mean, one tip that I think is is important is to get yourself in the best shape and health that you can be in prior to the surgery because people just tend to recover faster when your body is in a more optimal state so eat healthy food you know fruits vegetables smoothies you know juices and try to get exercise that oxygenates the blood and that keeps the body in a sort of more healing state what about afterwards? Is there anything else that you've got in terms of tools? Or... A community like ours is, is so beneficial for, for women on the other side of surgery. Our main uh, group, where it, it's a support group, is through Facebook groups under the Sermeno Connection. And, you know, we have thousands of women in our group, and they've all been through the same surgery. And so they've all, they all understand your experience. And I think it really is important to be surrounded by like-minded women who can share your experience because some of the things you're going to go through are so unique and very personal and very sensitive. And some women do not feel comfortable confiding in their partners and maybe in their families. And so it's really good to have that support amongst a community of people who get it.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I mean,
1: look, it's important too. Obviously, the bulk of the women who come to us are women who are in the struggling phases of their surgery and post-op life. And as they get better, they, you know, they're less they're on the the support group less and less, which is good. It means they're out there living their lives and they're thriving in the best of all possible worlds, we want every woman to have that experience where they're struggling and then they get well. And it's true, it mm-hmm. is a community. I mean, Stacy, Stacy Reeve and I, uh, who are co-founders of the Cermeno Connection, um, you know, we're gonna be lifelong friends and connected over uh, what we've shared and what we shared with each other through all of this I would say you know if you do have a family if you do have children um, it would be a good idea to try to find a way to have a little less stress you know maybe get childcare maybe have you know involve them in more activities where you don't you know where you have more space to recover because it is a very you know it can be a very physically draining surgery not just because your body's healing but your body is adjusting to a whole new way of life i mean without hormones you know often women don't feel well it can lead to depression and all 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 of these other things you know and and exhaustion so i would say if you can if if you have the means you know try to find a way to to alleviate some of the you know your your child care concerns especially if you are the primary parent who's in charge of that you know try to you know, discuss with your partner needing extra support in the coming weeks as you are recovering.
0: So for for women that are unable to take HRT, um, are there any other natural or nutritional ways where we can up the levels.
1: I mean, as I said before, it's like, uh, with phytoestrogens the danger is they do mimic estrogen in the body, which means if you are a, um, a person who has BRCA1 or you are a cancer survivor uh, and you're not allowed regular hormones, regular HRT, you are not a candidate for any of these things with phytoestrogens because they do the same thing in the body. They just have a different name. So again, this is sort of one of these areas where science and the medical community really needs to rally around this issue and women's health, because as I've said, there there are options in terms of taking supplements right you you know you can you need to eat healthy you need to get you know fish oil and you know calcium for bones and you know make sure you're 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 getting all the nutrients that your body can possibly get But there isn't, as of yet, there isn't a natural supplement that benefits a woman's long-term health in the same way that hormone replacement therapy, we're talking estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, really helps women have better long-term health that's not to say women who aren't are unable to take hrt are going to be in terrible health but these are just the the long-term effects of not having ovaries and not having hormones especially if you were somebody who lost your ovaries at a at an early age you know those are critical years for your body i mean the Mm -hmm. older you are at the time of surgical menopause the better it is uh, for, for your long-term health because your body naturally depletes hormones uh, over time anyway in a natural way. You do have to eat differently to kind of combat the weight gain and all of the results of surgery um, to, to stick to a low-carb diet uh, such as like keto or paleo diet and those diets can be done very healthfully. You know, you really want to emphasize eating vegetables and low carbohydrate fruits such as berries and lean meats and protein, salmon, fish, and really avoiding breads, processed foods, crackers, things that are just going to gunk up your system and be harder for your body to break down and, you know, weight gain with eating as you did prior to surgery, you know, it's, it's sort of gonna be inevitable that you're gonna gain weight. So, so we suggest looking into those low carb diets, high protein diets. Um, women seems to do much better on those and they also give you more energy because you're getting more protein. Other dietary things that women really need to think about uh, because they do affect your hormones is alcohol consumption that can really cause hormone fluctuations, uh, it can trigger hot flashes, obviously uh, if you if you have more than you know one glass of wine, you know sugars are a trigger as well. Um, they also can cause hormone fluctuations. What else spicy spicy foods can trigger hot flashes caffeine 's a big one. Uh, caffeine causes uh, hormone fluctuations, and it doesn 't mean that you have to cut out all of these things entirely
0: it is really empowering to know that we can, we have that choice we do have that choice don't we in terms of of thinking about our lifestyle um and to reframe this as as a gift as an opportunity to um to kind of improve our our, our health because ultimately that's going to have an impact as well on our long-term health outcomes <laughs> I want to leave the listeners on on a positive note because we've obviously, you know, we've spoken about uh, you know the trauma that can happen with finding out uh, about surgery, uh, as well as kind of you know the long term, but. What can you share with us, Nicole, um, the positive aspects of of what you've learned and discovered through your own journey?
1: Well, I think it's one of those things where, uh, I mean, I'm one of those people who learns better through the harder journey. What I have learned through my journey is um, resilience. I have learned that I can overcome anything you know, I almost feel in a weird way, if that didn't kill me, having ovarian cancer at a young age, losing my ovaries, you know, all of this stuff, um, you know, I can really go out into life and, and conquer anything in a way. Um, the, The other thing that I've really learned is that to be grateful, you know, to be grateful for health when you have it. Um, to never stop fighting and being an advocate for for your own health and for your well-being, and you know the Sarmeno connection really was our attempt, Stacy and my attempt to to empower women to take control of their health again um, and to support each other through this. You know, now in my life, I'm able to have healthy relationships and to pursue a career that I absolutely love. And that's wonderful,
0: and I think it means so much to people right now who who are in the thick of it. Um, you know, to hear that it it, it will get better, um, and also the amazing testimony and legacy that that you've you know created as well is just fantastic. How would you sum up what makes you feel over the bloody moon about life, Nicole?
1: Oh, you know, I think it's just pursuing the things you love. You know, I'm an artist and a photographer and, you know, every, every day I get up and I'm excited for what I do and, uh, you know, all the people that I get to meet. And I think, you know, having a purpose driven life is uh, what brings me what brings me joy and, you know, obviously also helping others uh, by running our nonprofit, I think, um, knowing that I'm putting some good out in the world, as well as pursuing my my own personal destiny, my own personal dreams. So um, and I encourage everybody to find whatever that is for themselves. You know, that's what that's what makes me happy.
0: Oh, Nicole, it's been so wonderful having you on the show today. Um, you know, I've learned so much, and I'm sure it's going to mean a, an awful lot to the listeners. Um, I think, as well, for me personally, surgical menopause, it happens. I mean, in the UK, apparently, there's a million women going through it. I don't know what the stats are in the States.
1: Yeah, it's something like uh, I think 800,000 women every year are put into uh, surgical menopause. And I don't even think that's the full, the full number because that's just hysterectomy that doesn't count, you know, that's not counting oophorectomies. Uh, so it's, a you know, a large, a large amount of people are going through that. Yeah.
0: It's a large amount of people, um, and it's often only given one or two pages in a textbook, you know, or or in a book around menopause. Um, So I'm really grateful to you in giving up time to get surgical menopause out there, particularly as well for women to question whether they need surgery or if they do, to get prepared um, for it is, is super helpful. Um, so let's make sure that all the listeners know how to find the Cemento connection. Sure,
1: absolutely. Well, you can find us... through two major means uh, you can look us up on Facebook under the Sermano connection and where you can join our support group there. Uh, if you Google the I mean you put in the, the search bar the Sermano connection on Facebook. The other place our main our main home is our website. So that is wWw.the connection dot com you know we're also on social media so you can find us on uh instagram and twitter as well so just look up the Sarmeno connection and you know we're happy to have you join us and um help help you s- through whatever you're going through so thank you this has been a pleasure
0: oh thank you so much nicole lovely to see you today lovely to see you too leslie